Assalamu alaikum, everyone. My name is Muhi Khwaja with the Muslim Philanthropy Podcast, and today I am joined with Mahira Hijab, who is an intern at the UNHCR, and Muhammad Abu Asakar, who is a Senior Partnerships and Philanthropy Officer at the UNHCR. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Muhi. Thanks for having us. Awesome. Well, I want to uh, provide an opportunity for you to share a little bit about yourselves and kind of your life journey and also your career journey uh, to the UNHCR. Uh, so Mahira, why don't you kick us off? Hi, thank you for having us today. Um, so welcome everyone, I'm Mahira. I'm an intern at UNHCR. I'm working with Muhammad currently on the Islamic philanthropy program that we have started at UNHCR. Um, I'm a recent graduate from University of Maryland, and I studied public policy, where I focus on immigration and refugee rights. So I'm really happy to have um, an internship at the UNHCR organization. And yeah, I'm really happy to be here to speak with you all today. Over to you, Mohammed. Thank you, Mahira. Assalamu alaikum, everybody. My name is Mohammed Abu Asakir. Uh, I have been working with UNHCR for 12 years now. I started my career um, as a regional spokesperson for the Middle East and North Africa, and then I worked as a senior policy officer at the uh, MENA Bureau for the Middle East and North Africa. I'm currently senior partnerships partnerships and philanthropy officer um, overseeing the Islamic philanthropy program in North America. I have two master's degrees in, in uh, international development from American University in Washington, D.C. I also have a master's degree in uh, public policy from Harvard University. I'm currently working on my doctorate program at Indiana University. Fantastic. That is quite the uh, resume, and it is great to hear um, that there are so many accomplished people at the UNHCR and in our community as well. Um, I'd love to hear more about your program at uh, Indiana University as well. Uh, what's the focus going to be for your PhD program? Absolutely. It's a, a new of its kind program at Indiana University for a professional doctorate. Uh, my focus is on the evolution of Muslim organizations in the United States and their impact at the policy level at the capital health. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, and Mahira, uh, as an intern, um, I'm assuming like right out of undergrad, uh, tell us a little bit more about applying to this internship and the placement uh, that you've had. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine actually told me about the uh, position that opened up and I started earlier this year in May. Um, I was really inspired to apply because this is combining two of my worlds. I'm being able to work with um, refugees and also like bring Islam into it, which was really a unique opportunity. And then you had to jump for it, although it was an internship post-grad, uh, I still felt like I was able to make an impact in this position. And um, I'm really happy that um, Hamid um, is here along with me and guiding through this and being able to learn a lot about the refugee cause and also just working in um, the refugee realm, yeah. Definitely. Um, so for our listeners, um, you know, I'm sure many of them, and not all of them, have heard of the UN, but there's so many different agencies and departments and teams 
Can you tell us a little bit more about specifically UNHCR and maybe some of the other departments within the UN that focus on refugees? Absolutely. There are two agencies that are working on refugees. There is the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees that is uh, mandated to oversee refugees worldwide, except Palestinian refugees in uh, five operations, West Bank and Gaza, Lebanon, Syria, and Jordan. And this particular mandate is under the UNRWA, the United Nations Refugee for Work and Relief Agency. And uh, we are very saddened about the ongoing situation in Gaza as we lost over 130 staff members of UNRWA up to date. And uh, oh. the Secretary General expressed his uh, deep concern about the humanitarian situation there. Yeah, it's uh, definitely very challenging, um, but hopefully also something that uh, provides a lot of purpose in working in this field and in this um, context. Um, definitely a much needed organization and uh, would love to, you know, hear more about what you do with senior partnerships and, and the UNHCR as well. Sure. Um, uh, within UNHCR today, we are seeing over 114 million people, including refugees, internally displaced people, asylum seekers, and stateless. And uh, this is uh, coming with um, a fact that 60% of those people are either Muslims or came from Muslim countries. And the fact that this is a growing number of people that need support within the challenging and funding for UNHCR, we had to look into innovative ways of supporting our brothers and sisters. So this is where the idea came into connecting Muslims who need the resources with other Muslims who have the resources. And so the idea came as an, for a United Nation as a non-Muslim organization, we cannot just tap into areas which are very sensitive like zakat or sadaqa or waqf without having that infrastructure and the establishment in place. So we had consulted with several Muslim scholars and institutions like Muslim World League, like Al-Azhar, like the AMJA and so Canadian Council of Imams and so forth. So we discussed with them, this is the situation and the fact that refugees are poor, stranded, travelers and debtors uh, applicable to be zakat recipients according to uh, zakat categories mentioned in the Quran. Therefore, those organizations, institutions, and scholars give us the endorsements and fatwas that UNHCR can receive zakat from Muslims and give it to refugees. Uh, on the on our side, as UNHCR, we have established the foundations for a Sharia compliant program to make it uh, applicable in on all forms. Uh, so we established a bank account that is a zakat bank account that is dedicated for the zakat, and there is no any money is mixed with the zakat with the zakat money. We also waive the overhead cost for any money coming from zakat to be delivered to refugees in a one hundred percent distribution policy. Additionally, we have established a committee of Muslim scholars who go anywhere on the ground to check that everything is Sharia compliant. We publish a biannual and annual reports to show where the money comes from, where the money goes, 
and as uh, well as uh, having uh, traceability and uh, accountability in terms of who receives the money. All of our refugees who receive the money are actually um, identified as the most vulnerable cases uh, of refugees, considering that UNHCR has the database for all refugees worldwide. So therefore, we have established uh, this program and we use innovation as much as possible. For example, in Jordan, refugees receive the zakat through iris scan and so we try our best to use all innovative ways to uh, ensure that we have the accountability credibility and traceability of the money being given most of the zakat are given in the forms of cash but uh, not limited to because this apply to different projects including livelihood including income generation uh, correlative items shelter health and education uh, which is one of the prominent programs for for the pro for the, the whole program. So that was the core of the program that was established in 2017, uh, and up to date we received over 200 million dollars, alhamdulillah, from significant Muslim organizations, uh, uh, philanthropists, um, uh, and so forth, that enabled us to help over seven million. Uh, people in need. So that actually um, gave a platform to UNHCR to establish Islamic philanthropy program, where the zakat is one part, one element of the, the whole program. So now we have four programs in place. We have the zakat refugee, uh, refugee zakat fund. We have the sadaqa fund. We have the global waqf for refugees. And currently we're working on um, sukuk for refugees as well. So um, you mentioned direct uh, zakat relief assistance in form of cash and assistance. And then what are some of the other programs that are supporting? Uh, you mentioned things around health, around education. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about the different partnerships that um, you have in place as well? Absolutely. So education is uh, very important uh, because uh, our data shows that only 3% of refugees have access to higher education. And this is very alarming because we have hundreds of thousands of talented refugees and they don't have the opportunity to access higher education. And we wanted to invest in, edu in education and to invest in refugees because we believe this is the smartest investment. So we would like refugees to go back home whenever possible with a, a certificate in their hands so they can help themselves, they have, they can help their communities. So we give this opportunity to refugees so they can uh, access higher education in the hosting countries, wherever they are. So we have refugees who study medicine, study pharmacy, art, uh, literature, like all different fields. And we have established a program called Aiming Higher. And this is an, a global program to provide opportunities for refugees uh, uh, worldwide. The fact that refugees represent 60% of the overall population, that gives um, uh, the opportunity uh, or the, the narrative that uh, our brothers and sisters are having this challenge and would like to provide them with the support. We have actually partnerships with different uh, Muslim organizations in the United States and in Canada, where we partner with them in programs like education, 
And also we have partnerships in, I can name like Islamic Relief, Helping Hands, um, Muslim Aid, uh, Human Concern International and so forth. We partner with Muslim charities. We partner with halal businesses, with financial institutions, with uh, high net worth individuals to give them an opportunity to support refugees. We add value to their work in areas they don't have presence, they don't exist. We add value to their work in programs that they don't have expertise in. And also um, the most important part here that the sanctions is a very big dilemma for so many organizations and challenging in transferring funds to so many of operations where refugees exist. Considering the fact that sanctions don't apply on UNHCR, after we do the due diligence on all these organizations, we ensure that the money will reach out to refugees and those are the most vulnerable uh, uh, people out there. Mm -hmm. um, are you, can you tell us a little bit more about the uh, engagement with um, countries and their governments that are helping resettle other refugees coming to their country? Um, and, you know, is it as... Um, as they're coming in, they're being sent to different camps or being provided with a place to stay. Uh, and every situation is, of course, different. But can you give our listeners just a preview of what that process may look like for somebody who is leaving their home country and then entering into a new country as a refugee? Absolutely. We believe, uh, according to the, like talking about terminologies, Refugees are those who have been persecuted in their home country and they have been forced to flee and they cross the international border. And the vast majority of refugees live with nothing, live with the clouds on their backs, and they are stranded in very difficult situations. Most of the countries that are hosting refugees are either middle income countries or low income countries. So the, the hosting governments are not in a position to support even their home uh, population. And so this is where we find a stretch in the economy of these hosting countries. If you want to divide that where refugees go, there are two categories where uh, the countries that are hosting refugees. There are countries that are signatory of 1951 convention and like United States and Canada and some European countries or countries that are not signatory of 1951 convention. Meaning countries that are signatory of 1951 convention, eh, they are positioned to take the responsibility of helping, assisting, protecting refugees wherever they are. When we look into the landscape where refugees are today, the vast majority of them are in countries that they cannot provide the direct um, legal uh, protection in a way that provide durable solutions to those people. This is where they, these governments call on UNHCR to support on their behalf those refugees in countries. And uh, looking into the donations coming to UNHCR, as you know, you, as a United Nations agency, we mainly depend on governments as a main source of funding. However, because of the economic global challenges that is um, so many countries in the world facing today, so we have seen generosity, but at the same time, 
uh, either slowness or a shortage of funding. Last year, we have seen like uh, over 50% shortage of our funding. What does that mean? It means that the people who are under our mandate will be receiving assistance with, our, with whatever available resources that we have. And this means that there will be suffering. And I, I mean it by, by all means, in the, in the freezing cold, in the heat of the summer, and in the food rations, and in, in the clean water, accessing to health or education, and you can name it. So those people are in need for all kinds of support. And this is why UNHCR is looking into alternative, innovative ways where we can help uh, uh, those people in need worldwide. And this Islamic philanthropy program is one avenue, one uh, um, innovative way to provide assistance. And this is not a government funding. This is a private sector. This is uh, organizations, NGOs, individuals, philanthropists who can help and provide support to people in need. Mm -hmm. And do asylum seekers fall under this category as well? Yes. Uh, when we are looking into the number of 114 million, that includes asylum seekers. And they will, uh, and, and the definition of refugee protection, asylum seeker is a person who seeks protection until uh, his case or her case will be reviewed and assigned whether being a refugee or not. Mm -hmm. Um, you mentioned that, you know, not only is there a Zakat fund, there's also a Sadaqa fund. Can you tell us about um, the different uh, journey that uh, philanthropic support will take when it is received by the Islamic Philanthropy Program? Absolutely. So the difference between the Sadaqa fund and the Refugee Zakat fund is that uh, within the Zakat fund, uh, we ensure that we have the Sharia compliance and infrastructure mm -hmm. in place. And this applies to 14 countries only, where okay. the vast majority of the population are Muslims. Mm -hmm. And we have everything in place uh, to make sure that everything is being given and given and delivered is Sharia compliant. Uh, another dif difference is that all the Zakat money are not subject to overhead cost. Uh, we give full amounts of contributions to refugees who need it. And uh, this is a very important point because uh, so many people and the audience believe that United Nations has a high rate of, in, of overhead cost. I just want to clarify that our overhead cost is only 6.5%. And even that is waived on any zakat money. So when it comes to sadaqa, sadaqa money is applicable to all of our operations in 135 countries. Okay. And this is where the overhead uh, costs apply on all sadaqa fund. And that gives actually uh, the opportunity in a platform to give uh, every individual who would like to help and contribute any emergency situation any operation, uh, the, the liberty to do so. Mm -hmm. um, you also mentioned that there was a, a third fund as well for um, the Muslim philanthropy program. Um, what was, uh, can you share a little bit more behind that one as well, please? Yes, the third uh, 
program is the Wealth Fund. And they, we have established in September 2022 um, a partnership with the Islamic Development Bank, uh, establishing the first of its kind, a global walk for refugees. Over a value of $100 million, we are aiming to reach $400 million minimum. And so uh, this agreement actually gives the Islamic Development Bank, the opportunity to invest in cash, and the proceeds will come to UNHCR to be spent on refugees. This is another innovative ways, innovative way to support refugees uh, where we would like to reach a point where we can have a sustainable income. Looking into the whole situations today, we are talking about protracted situations. Most of refugees are living in at least like 10 years and wherever they are. And every time we come out with an emergency appeal, asking people for a donation. So we are working very hard and around the clock to find different ways where we can help and support people in, in an adequate and a rapid manner. Mm -hmm. uh, for the Zakat funds, uh, are those usually distributed within the year that it is received uh, so that it's a annual type of project that funds are coming in and going out? Absolutely. We are following all the Sharia compliance when it comes to zakat and all the zakat money are spent within a year, not even within years. It's been spent like immediately because the needs are so immense. Uh, I also would like to mention and add to that point on the zakat. So we have in Ramadan, the zakat al-Fitr. And UNHCR yeah. has established a platform to ensure all zakat al-fatr are distributed before the aid time. So I just want to say that we have a group of Muslim scholars who are serving as a committee advisors to UNHCR to ensure that everything, uh, everything uh, uh, is done according to Sharia principles. Great. Um, I want to give an opportunity to Mahira to share a little bit more about uh, maybe some of the day-to-day -day things that she's supporting the, the program on as well. Thank you. Yeah. Um, as Mohammed mentioned, we have several partners around uh, the Northern America region. And um, what I do here at UNHCR is I do a database research of all organizations across the United States of uh, Islamic organizations, Muslim um, businesses, masjids all across the globe, anything that's halal businesses. Um, and through that, I'm able to conduct outreach to these organizations and we can set up meetings like we're, how, how we're doing with you today and share a little bit more about the program. And um, it's really beautiful to see the um, response we receive from all the organizations. Even the smallest organizations are willing to contribute or help in any way they can, even if they don't have the funds. So, um, yeah, that's just a little bit of what I do. And I'm really grateful to be uh, contributing to this cause. Yeah, definitely. So with the WALK um, fund, your goal is to receive, hopefully, uh, get up to $400 million in that partnership with the Islamic World Bank. Um, you know, hope, what have you seen so far kind of as the return on investment that that $100 million so far has been able to uh, create on an annual basis for you? So this partnership with the Islamic Development Bank has been ongoing and we are 
expecting to start receiving uh, next year because they need like uh, some time to invest and to so we can get the proceeds. And we believe that this is a very important initiative. And uh, we are currently looking into establishing a local wolf in the United States. So we have some conversations with some entities to explore the possibility of having a local wolf, considering the desire and need from so many individuals. When we talk to them, they feel like this is a great idea. And we also consider it to the tax receipts that is required. So we're hoping to establish um, a, a local wolf in the United States. And we believe that this is a great opportunity that will so many people would like to have a, a kind of a seed investments in something that could generate funds and support to people in different emergency situations. That's great to hear. Um, for the Islamic philanthropy program, um, what would you say you're, of course, you know, spreading the news about it and encouraging more people to participate and give to it, uh, whether it's the uh, Zakat Refugee Assistance or the Sadaqa Fund or the uh, Walk uh, Endowment concept, but what would you hope that, you know, the program is able to accomplish over the next few years? That's a very important question, uh, Mohi. So um, when we look into the uh, the global landscape of refugees, as I mentioned, like the, the vast majority of refugees today are living in a very dire situations and in countries that are struggling to provide the, the support to even local communities. And when we look into the situation in the United States with alhamdulillah, with all the wealth uh, uh, available in country, we would like to bring uh, into the awareness and attention to the Muslim community in the United States that there are brothers and sisters who are suffering and your dollars can make a difference. And we would like to keep this uh, awareness in the minds of decision makers and leaders that whenever you do assistance, whenever you help the community, please remember the other brothers and sisters in different parts of the world. So we hope to get to the point where organizations, mosques, and uh, philanthropists can dedicate a percentage of the giving to refugees outside the United States. Because one organization cannot do it. One government cannot do it all. We have to join forces together to help our brothers and sisters. And the great success that we have received over the years is very, make us very optimistic that we can leverage a kind of support that we will be able to help those in need. Another important element I would like to highlight is the partnerships within Muslim organizations is very, very important because for UNHCR, we are not looking into the dollars only because at the end of the day, we will be able to help those in need. We would like to establish partnerships where we can help and support each other. There are so many things that UNHCR as a leading humanitarian organization can provide in supporting Muslim organizations in their humanitarian assistance. The fact that we are operating in 135 countries that give the leverage for their humanitarian arms to reach to people that they 
cannot reach out to. The expertise that the organization has and the, the platforms that we have. I talked to you today as yesterday, last week, we have witnessed the Global Refugee Forum. This is a platform that brings governments, private sectors, or faith-based leaders, the whole of the Saudi approach, including refugees themselves, to discuss on policies. And to, so, so we can see how best we can help and refugees in a whole of a community approach. So the fact that these partnerships within Muslim organizations actually give an opportunity to have Muslim organizations been sitting on on the table, having a say, designing, contributing and designing policies. And this is what we are all after, that this program is an opportunity to strengthen the community and to reach out to brothers and sisters who need assistance. And we can help and support this organization in capacity and reaching out to people in need. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned um, that the Islamic Philanthropy Program specifically supports uh, for Zakat 14 countries. Can you share a little bit more around these efforts uh, in the countries and um, some of the, again, programs? I know we talked about briefly about some health-related stuff, some education, uh, cash assistance, but what countries are um, being supported through these programs? Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So these programs support refugees in all aspects. Whenever we receive a request from any organization, the first question we ask them, whether this donation is zakat or non-zakat. So we make sure that this is a 100 distribution policy applicable or not. Second of all, we ask them which country of operation that you're interested in. So we would like to, resp to respond to the actual desire of the donor. So if they say that I have a zakat money that would like to help X country, if this country is not within the infrastructure that has the Sharia compliance, we apologize and we say that this is not possible so we can look into Sadaqah. Countries that are applicable to zakat money is like Syria operations, like Rohingya in Bangladesh, like Yemen, like Somalia. So this is where the vast majority of the population are Muslims. And this, uh, the, our experience within these organizations include but not limited to uh, like cash assistance. We have cash for food, we have cash for shelter, and we have uh, clean waters, we have food rations, we have core relief items, and we have income generation like livelihood projects, we have health facilities and so forth. Because of our mandate as a coordinator lead for all refugee operations worldwide, we uh, are in a position to determine the most urgent needs for any operation and we convey the information with the donors and we say this is what is much needed now. So we have conversations and negotiations with them and then we discuss the proposals and we submit it based in that we receive the funding that goes directly to the operation and we start the implementation immediately. Great. Um, so if there was one opportunity to um, kind of share your in your experience working at UNHCR, just kind of the importance and need, of course, you talked on the need to collaborate with other entities and the different partnerships that you have. Um, and of course, you know, 
people are supporting different causes and I'm hoping that they can learn more about UNHCR and specifically the Islamic philanthropy program. So what would be, if you could summarize in just a half a minute to a minute, the importance of supporting the Islamic philanthropy program and uh, giving an opportunity to both Mahira and yourself to, to share that. Absolutely. Uh, uh, the, the importance of the Islamic philanthropy program is to connect Muslims, brothers and sisters who need the resources with our brothers and sisters who have the resources. This is part of deen. Uh, Prophet وسلم, said that Muslim, 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 like we are all feeling each other. So when we have people who are suffering in different parts of the world, that is my responsibility. Because we don't do a grassroots fundraising on grounds from the, we don't collect zakat from the masajid, we ask the masajid, we ask the uh, Muslim organizations and even individuals to dedicate a percentage of their zakat to refugees. They can decide how much that percentage, just because of the importance of the feeling that we have a brothers and sisters in different parts of the world that I feel that it's my responsibility to help and support them. On the other side, for our brothers and sisters in refugee camps, we would like them to feel that they are not alone, that there are some other people who feel them and they respond to support them. I just give the floor to Mahira to add to that. Thank you, Mohammed. Um, yeah, I think I want to piggyback off of that and just say that having the conversation with the individuals we meet um, on a day-to-day -day basis even, not just when we meet with potential partners, uh, about what's going on in the world with our brothers and sisters. Um, I feel that when we do meet with these individuals and we share the numbers and the stories, um, they're left in shock because a lot of people don't know what's going on. A lot of people don't know the figures that 60% of refugees and IDPs are our Muslim brothers and sisters across the globe. Um, and I hope that through this Islamic philanthropy program, we're able to make that change and support um, that amount of Muslims that there are out there suffering and that need our help. Um, and yeah, inshallah. Inshallah. Um, in regards to, you know, different programs at UNHCR, are there things that you want to highlight uh, in addition to the Islamic philanthropy program? Well, if you would talk about the UNHCR as an organization, 90% of our staff members are in the field. They are sacrificing themselves and their families. Most of them are in non-family duty stations and uh, they are witnessing the same experience as refugees, and they are there because they dedicated their lives for serving uh, people who really need it the most. So UNHCR uh, stands to protect and assist people under our mandate and will do everything possible. We'll continue the brainstorming and thinking if anyone has an idea that would enable UNHCR to look into innovative ways we can help any idea is welcome, and we're going to continue to serve uh, this uh, purpose, and we're going to continue on this mission. Hopefully, we're going to reach into uh, zero refugee one day. Inshallah. Um, in regards to um, 
you know, some other aspects. One of the programs that I recently learned about was how the UNHCR uh, helps with the Olympic team uh, when it comes to the sports and different opportunities for engagement uh, from within the refugees leaving their countries and being able to be represented at the Olympics as well. So I think there's a wide variety of ways in which uh, the UNHCR is very impactful. Um, and again, I would encourage all of our listeners to learn more about the UNHCR. Um, Mahira and Muhammad, is there anything that uh, I didn't ask that you would want to still share uh, with our listeners? I would like to add that UNHCR doesn't save any efforts in establishing partnerships that would bring awareness to the cause and brings attention to the refugee cause. Uh, you mentioned the Olympics, that is a valid example. We also partner with Barcelona uh, soccer team and you can look and see in the back of the jersey, the jersey that UNHCR's name and logo is there. And we have this partnership for five years. We also partners with Barcelona for establishing uh, soccer fields for refugees, wherever they are. We have partnerships uh, with uh, uh, Google, with uh, Facebook, with different organizations and with different giant uh, private sector companies as well to uh, generate uh, resources to support refugees. I, one important element I would like to highlight in this regard is that as we are talking into global warming, that this is the narrative that's going all over the places. Today, we start seeing refugees who are a result of the climate change. And that is very alarming because refugees not only been victims of the conflicts, but we can see that the climate's been contributing to force people, their homes into uh, places where they can find resources. And this is an opportunity where UNHCR is using innovative ways to support refugees, either in through solar system, either through innovative uh, technologies that we establish uh, computer labs, coding. So we try our best. And this is an invitation to everybody's watching us that if they have ideas that can help and support alleviate the suffering of refugees, we welcome. We welcome their financial contributions, but also we welcome their ideas. At the end of the day, this is a collective effort for humanity, for people who really seek any kind of support. Thank you. Over to you, Mahira. Thank you, Mohammed. Um, definitely not as knowledge as Mohammed is with his years of experience here at UNHCR, but I do want to add that I think that the refugee issue is not just a blank-sided, one black and white issue. It has to deal with multiple layers to it. For example, Mohammed brought up the climate change issue. There's also the DB issue within refugees. There's also women's rights. There's lots of issues that also go within the overall refugee um, problem that there is. So I, I encourage everyone to support refugees worldwide and think about the other aspects that they are also dealing with, along with the, the problem of being displaced from their homes. So um, that's all I had to add for that. And thank you for giving me the platform to share. Of course, definitely. And we'll be following closely the Islamic Philanthropy Program. And if there's any way that AMCF can uh, continue to support, of course, we do endowments. So on that effort, we'd be happy to partner 
um, and stay in touch with uh, introducing more donor advised fund families to the UNHCR. Many of them listen to the podcast. I'm hoping that they'll contribute to the Islamic philanthropy program as well. So um, thank you so much for spending time with us and inshallah, we'll be in touch. Thank you very much, Muni, for having us and for the great opportunity. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much.